Amen. All right. <clears throat> We're going to continue on in our series. We're finishing up this week. We were going to finish last week, but I had so many scriptures we couldn't get it all done. So I'll get you caught up a little bit on where we're at in case you weren't here uh, last week. But I do want to just mention this to you. Um, God is doing something, and I don't even know if I can fully explain it to you. But the beginning of the year, uh, we go over this series, this vision series every year. And this year it's been completely different. Uh, it's been a focus a lot more on God's love for us, how he encourages and equips and empowers and embraces us. And, and, it, and we've really been focusing on that. Uh, and everywhere that we go, even the men, we went on a men's retreat this weekend, uh, eight of us went, and we all recognized that even through the, the teachings and the worship, there was this continual theme of God loving us. And out of that, are things that we're going to do and see take place as we receive this. So this year, it's just been a, it's just, it's just, there's just something stirring in me that it's different than in the years past. It's not a New Year's resolution like, this year Thrive is going to, it's not like that. It's the Lord just getting us ready for something. And if this is your home church, I would encourage you to be praying. Just pray that, Lord, that we would follow wherever you take us. Because it's not just a corporate thing. It's you as an individual. God is speaking to all of us individually because we all bring something to the table. We all have a part of this. But he's doing something. And, uh, and it's been amazing, the journey so far. But I'm just, I'm just 100% sure that, that his plans for us are amazing and that we're getting ready to step into some new areas of uh, growth and maturity, but also an area of understanding and wisdom and direction, and that we are gonna we are gonna influence this community around us, um, and we're gonna see people come to know Jesus, uh, and that's one of the things that the Lord's been just sharing with us. So as we jump into this today. Uh, the way this all took place is after Chris spoke, that was going to be the end of the series, and then the Lord just spoke to me that week about, okay, we know how God loves us, and we know these things that the Lord has done for us and continues to do for us. And the Bible says in First Peter, we talked about this, that the enemy comes as a roaring lion. And it's very clear in the scripture, and it says, be alert, because you have an adversary. We talked about some scriptures. I'll go over them real quick. Um, but John 10, 10 says the, uh, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the devil, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. First Peter 5, 8, be self-controlled and alert. You have an adversary, then it says who it is, the devil, prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking who he can devour. So we have an adversary, and every time you begin to hear from God, every time you begin to receive what God has for you, you're going to see this little adversary stick his little head up and try to get you off track. It's nothing to be afraid of. It's nothing to... To not move forward with God because you don't want the enemy to come after you because he's powerless. Okay? Hear me say that. He's powerless. And I love saying that because I want the enemy to know that we know that he's powerless. Because the devil is a very prideful being. And when you tell someone who's prideful that they're powerless, it hurts. Right? If you think, oh, you, you know, people walk around like, oh, you're all that. Yeah, I'm cool. And someone says, you ain't that cool. Yes, I am. I mean, they get all. So I just love to say the enemy is powerless. 
He's very weak, but he's got a very strategic plan to try to get you off track. Uh, Ephesians 6, 12 talks about that our, it's the enemy. It's not people that we wage war against. It's not, it's not people. You can't say, yeah, my boss, he's the enemy. No, it's the enemy behind all of that. If there's people that are coming at you and saying things they shouldn't say and acting in certain ways, listen, there's, a, there's an enemy behind that. People are not our enemy. No people are our enemy. It's the devil. It's the enemy, the adversary. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 11, if we put that up on the screen, uh, this is what it says, Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. This is what we're talking about, to be familiar with what the enemy will try to do to get you off track. Because of the fact that you know God loves you, here's what the enemy is going to try to do. And if I can warn you ahead of time, you'll be prepared. The enemy's got to try to come tell you, no, he doesn't. He's going to say, no, God doesn't love you. Because you remember you committed to do this and then you didn't? Do you remember when you said you were going to serve him and then you didn't? Oh, you remember when you, when you, were, you, know, when you were driving down the road and, and that person pulled in front of you? You remember what you said? Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't love you. He doesn't love you. He just, as Chris has said before, how Chris used to feel, he said he just tolerates you. But he doesn't really love you. And see, that's, that's, the, that's, that's a lie. So here's the tactics of the enemy, and we're just going to hit these quick. John 8, 44 says, Satan is the father of lies. All right? In other words, here's, there's, there's two things I'm going to point out about the enemy. One is he's a liar, and two, he's a deceiver. When you, when, if you remember in the garden, when, when, and these scriptures are there, I'll give them to you, but I'll just kind of tell them. But in Genesis 2, 17, God said, do not eat of this fruit or you will surely die. Then in Genesis 3, the enemy comes and tells Eve, you can eat of this and you won't die. Why did he say that? Because he's a liar. And he wants to lie to you to get you to do something that he knows in the long run is going to hurt you. Because he's about stealing from you, killing you, and destroying you. And destroying everything you put your hands to. In other words, he wants to make you miserable in every way. In every way. That's his plan. And that doesn't mean when we go through difficulty that every time something happens, it's the devil. Listen, I don't, I'm not a real handy man, but there's times if I'm hammering or something and I hit my finger, I'm like, devil! No, that was actually me. I missed. I wasn't paying attention, right? But there are times that you have to recognize that there's places of hurt and pain in you that the source of that is the enemy. And he, because he knows if he can do that, if he can get you off track, he wins, even if he just gets you to stop where you're going, even if he doesn't get you off the path of pursuing God, if he just gets you to stop in your pursuit of God, then he's gaining ground. So he's going to come at you in a lot of different ways. So he's a liar. Second thing, he's a deceiver. Remember when he goes to Eve in Genesis 3 and he asked this question, did God really say? In other words, he's trying to get Eve to question the word of God. This is what God said, but yeah, but did he really say that? That's not, that's not what he was saying. He just doesn't want you to be like him. That's why he's saying that. So he's deceiving Eve into thinking something that's not true. He'll do the same thing to you. Is that really what God meant? Listen, I've been in those places with the Lord. I, I can tell you even, can, can I be honest with you? Is that all right? Can I be human with you? When I came up here, I'm like, man, if there's people here, you're getting all fiery and stuff. Visitors are going to be like, what kind of church is this? 
Brother, all screaming and hollering about, the devil. <laughs> if you think those thoughts don't go through my head, I'm just telling you they do. Because the way, naturally the way things work is, okay, we don't want to scare away any visitors because we want to build the church. But here's the thing. God is building the church. And what he wants to do is build the church with people who are healthy and, and walking in victory and modeling what Jesus says we're supposed to be about. So for me, I have to get past the enemy saying, what if people, what if people think you're getting a little bit crazy and they're going to walk out of here, these new people? And I was like, well, you'll know. If someone goes, then it's like, you know, what, here, but here's going to happen. One day when someone goes through something difficult, man, I remember that. I remember that preacher getting up there reminding me where my praise was and how I could walk in victory, right? But can I just tell you, because I'm human, I have that thought. Are people going to leave? But then I realize I'm not building it. So people come and people go. But here's what's important to me is that I obey what God says. And just because the enemy, you know, I'm going to tell you why the enemy wants me to think that, because he doesn't want you free. In other words, if, you get a, if I can get so worried about what you think about me, then I'm going to be careful how I deliver something that is the absolute truth that you need, but I'm so worried about how you're going to take it, so then I don't give it to you the way God gave it to me. And I'm telling you, God was like just showing me all kinds. I was getting blessed up here by myself, and all I did is share it with you, because I got to get my praise on more. And, and so I just share that with you, but I'm, I only use that example to say, I know that the Lord was in that, but that doesn't mean the enemy doesn't talk to me either and try to say, hey, he's up a little bit. Just tell him God loves him and, you know, let him, let him find that their own. No. Listen, we, I, I'm not, God is the shepherd of this church, but as the pastor that he is Using to lead, I understand my, my, my role as pastor, and I want to be mindful of what he's asking me to do. But I do believe I can say that's without taking credit that this is my thing. It's not. It's God's. But I can say to the Lord, as for me in this church, we will serve the Lord. That's what, that's what we're going to do. So I'm just telling you, in our, and you're going to have those times where you want to stand up and you want to just share with somebody you know, hey, man, this is how you can walk in victory. This is what God can do in your life. You're going to have that voice that says, hey, hey, I don't think they're ready for that. If they're hurting and they're feeling defeated, they're ready for victory. They're ready. So let's, let's, let's embrace that. All right, so he's a deceiver. And he comes, and Jesus, here's the good thing. Is this what the enemy, this is the enemy, he tries to deceive, he lies, he does all this. First John 3, 18 says, the son of man, Jesus came to destroy the works of the evil one. That's what it says. He came to destroy the works of the evil one. That's in 1 John 3, 8. And then in Colossians 2, verse 13, this is what happens. It says that Jesus defeated the enemy, made a public spectacle of him, and disarmed him. That's why I can tell you he's powerless. Because he got, he's disarmed. Okay, if someone... If someone was, you know, trying to cause harm and someone had a weapon and they come in, listen, when you strip them of that weapon, you've just disarmed them. 
So the very thing they were going to use to hurt you, you've taken away. They no longer have it. But if, if they just say that they have it, you ever, uh, I remember it was a video, it was a long time ago, this video of a guy that was uh, holding up a bank and, um, and he had his hand in his pocket like this. He's like, give me, give, me, uh, give me the money, give me the money. And somehow there's a little tuffle or something and realize he has nothing. So what if he came out and says, all right, y'all better stop. Even though I have nothing, I still, I, I do. And you know he doesn't. You know he doesn't. Or what if he does this? He's just got his hand. He's just finger. He's made a finger weapon. Okay, how many of you would just run in fear? None of you. Why? Because, like, you're powerless. You, you don't have anything. You're just talking to big gate. Listen, that's the devil. He lies and he deceives. He's got no power over you. He's already been destroyed. That's why Jesus came, to destroy the works of the evil one. And he did. And now we have, we have victory. And the Bible tells us that because of Jesus, because of him, we are more than conquerors. So we're not defeated. All right, so we talked about understanding the enemy and what his game plan is. So now that we understand that, what do we do when we're facing the enemy's talking to us? He's coming at us. What do we do? Now that we're aware, we talked about this last week. This is where we started going, and then we, we didn't finish. But we go to God. Psalms 42.1 says, As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for the Lord. And we had this discussion even at the men's retreat, and I, I said this last week too. When a deer is panting, it's not like a dog. A deer just doesn't walk up. That's not that. Your dog might do that. A deer doesn't. When a deer pants, it's because they've been chased. They've been chased by a wild animal or someone that's tried to hurt them. And that panting, what they have to do, they lose a lot of that water and, and, and stuff in them that they have to get to a stream or to some water. So when you think about a deer who has been uh, chased by the enemy and is, is panting and tired and needs liquid, needs water, that's the heart that we pursue God when the enemy tries to get us off track. That deer, if, it, if there's, there's a panting because I got to get there. Not like, well, maybe one day I'll find some water. No, it's like we, I got to find water. That's where my source, that's what's going to help me. That's what's going to strengthen me. And if we have that same attitude, when David wrote this, he was, he was kind of hiding because his, one of his sons was trying to, to take him out to become king. So he was in this difficult place, and that's what he's talking about. He's like, I got i got to get to the Lord. As the deer pants out of, you know, I've been chased, it's coming after me. That's the heart I have right now to go before God, to pursue God in everything. And that's what we're talking about here. James 4, 7, we said this already, we resist the devil, but it has to happen after we humble ourselves before God. Then we resist the devil and he flees from us. So your, your source of victory is God. And that's where you run to. That's, that's where you run to every time the enemy tries to talk to you, you speak God's word. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, every time the devil told him something, he said, it is written. In other words, this is what my father says. And he overcomes those places of the enemy by the, by the word. And that's what we need. We need to run to God. We need to know his word. Ephesians 6, 11, 
talks about just standing in the armor of God. And when, we, when, we, when the enemy comes and the, the weapons of the enemy try to come against us, that we stand, we stand in the armor of God. Not run forward, not go backwards. We stand. We read earlier in Second Chronicles. We take our position. How many of you in here are victorious? Okay, let me, let me say it this way. You are victorious. Now let me ask you a question. How many of you in here are victorious? All of us. If you're a believer, you're victorious because you have Jesus. 1 Corinthians 5, 15, 57 says this, Thanks be to God who has given us victory over the enemy. We have it. It's just walking in it. That's what, but we have it. 2 Thessalonians 3, 3 talks about he protects us from the evil one. Psalms 91, you can read the whole Psalms, but Psalms 91 talks about when you come to the Lord, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. We'll say of the Lord, he's my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. So these are places that we go to God when we're in difficult moments, when the enemy's coming at you, when you're struggling, when you're hurting, we go to God. That's what our, our kids do. When you're a young kid and, a, and, a, and you know, little toddlers and babies, when they're hurting, what brings them comfort? Their father or their mother. It's amazing how a crying baby will stop just because they're picked up by mom or dad. Why? Because there's this place of safety that comes there. And so it is with our earthly father. It's a place of safety. So we go to God, and this, we'll pick up here uh, now. Another, <clears throat> another way that God, this is still God helping us. But there's other things that take place when the enemy wants to come at you. There's other things that can help you that God uses. So we go to God, but then we also have to understand that we need each other. When the enemy is trying to get you off track, the worst thing you can do is retreat. And I know people that say, I just... You know, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying if you say this that there's something wrong with you. I understand the principle of it, and there's times where it, that may be the case. But we go through difficulties, you know, I just, I just need to be by myself. And there might be times you need to be by yourself to clear your mind. I get that. But there is a place where there is safety in more people. There's wisdom in, the, in a multitude of counsel. I have been one, when, and for a long time I lived my life, when I felt something, I didn't tell anyone. I buried it. I handled it on my own. There's no sense in me going and bothering somebody else with it. It'd be nice if that was the real reason. The real reason, I just didn't want to admit I had a problem. But you know what? That's not healthy. Let's look at a few scriptures. Look at Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Two people are better off than one. We can say that, right? I mean, just that alone. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. <clears throat> if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But if someone who falls alone, you're in trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And here's what I found in my, in my life, 
In my life, <clears throat> in my time as in ministry, I've been in full-time ministry over 20 years, 23 now. And I can tell that in my, in my time of ministry, this is what I've found. When we isolate, we don't get healthier. I've just, I've found it to be true. I know people who went through a difficult time and they completely bailed out of church, bailed out of Bible studies, bailed out of everything. And they didn't get better. Because, you know why? Because two are better than one. A cord of three strands isn't easily broken. When someone's hurt, think about this, okay? I played sports. I grew up playing sports. What happens when someone gets injured on the field? Someone's playing football, and what a kid happened on Chase's football team one time. A kid actually broke his leg. And this is what did not happen. Hey, whenever you're able to, come on over here. Go on and get off the field. You know what happened? There had to be people that went out and pick him up and help him off the field, out of harm's way, and in, out off the field where he could get some help and take him to the hospital to, to get things fixed and repaired. It would have been crazy for him to say, no, guys, I, I got it. Listen, I tore the ligaments and tendons in my ankle playing ba basketball when I was in college. And the first thing I did, I said, nobody touch me because it hurt. I was like, don't touch me. I'm fine. Why I say I'm fine? My ankle's all jacked up. You know, I got cankles. Can't even tell where my calf and ankle separate. It's just one solid tree trunk. And I'm, I'm just sitting there. And you know what I did? I drug myself off the court by myself. Stupid. Drove myself to the emergency room. Stupid. Why? Because I didn't want to bother anyone. Actually, my pride was hurt. I'm supposed to be unstoppable. I'm not. It hurt. I, I had to have help. And when you're hurting, why do we think when we're hurting we're supposed to be the strongest? When you're hurting is when you need people to come around you and say, listen, the Lord can use me to help you. Look at, Psalms, look at uh, Proverbs 27, verse 17. Iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Listen, we can, we can communicate. We can, we can help each other. We can admonish one another. We can encourage one another. We can, we can be there for one another. Galatians 6.2 says, carry one another's burdens. Let's come together and let's, let's help each other out. That's what this vision is about. Not just how God does it for us, but part of that too is letting God understand how he's done that for us so we can do that to others. Let's be an encouragement to people when they're going through something. Because if you think about it, sometimes there's a principle of reaping and sowing that sometimes I think, you know what, when you're hurting, let people help you. Because you're going to get healthy and be able to help someone else. And as you're helping people, then when you need something, someone's going to help you. But isolating ourselves, it'll never work. It'll never work. And I've heard people say, and, and you might be thinking this, me and God is enough. And I'm like, that is absolutely true. But what if God wants to use people? That is you and God. That is you and God. Listen, God is my provider. God is your provider. 
But he's using your job, is he not? If you're going to have that mentality, then quit your job. And sit at home and say, it's just me and God. And then when your lights are off, then you're going to think, hey, I think me and God, I think God had that plan of using my job to help me. And now he can do it. I mean, if something happens to your job out of your control, God will still take care of you. But God wants to use people sometimes to, to encourage you and to help you when the enemy is coming against you. Proverbs eleven fourteen. Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Listen, I'm, you have to be careful who these counselors are. I'm not saying you just run to people and have them tell you everything you need to do. But I am saying there's people that God can put in your life that if speak, what they tell you is lining up with this word, they, God can use people. There's wisdom in having other people speak into the process of, of where you're at, what you're going through. There's wisdom in that. Because sometimes the retreating is because technically we just really want to hide. We don't want people to really understand what we're going through. And it's really the stuff that we go through where people can actually come and help us. I mean, this is a very familiar story. We'll go to Proverbs 12, 15 real quick, and then we'll talk about that. Proverbs 12, 15. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. Again, I'm talking about God speaking to you. I'm not saying that others is your neighbor. I think you ought to just, yeah, I think you just ought to say this. Okay, don't listen to that. But if it's the word of God and people are speaking the word and encouraging you to stay, stay, stay connected to the word, receive that. Moses and uh, Moses, remember Moses, we tell this story a lot. Moses is up on the mountain. There's Joshua's fighting about. This is what the Lord said. Moses, you hold your rod up. When the rod is up in the air, Joshua wins the, was winning the battle. When he drops that rod, Joshua loses, is losing the battle. So Joshua is hoping <laughs> Moses can hold that up, right? Imagine being Joshua saying, that's really not fair. Me winning is up to him, and he's not even down here with me. You know, I should win because, God, I'm just going to give it my all. But Moses was key to Joshua being victorious. So when he goes up on the mountain, he takes two people with him. He takes Aaron and her with him. And he's holding the rod up, and he's holding it up in the air, and Joshua's winning. And he begins to get tired, just like anyone would if your hands are up for a long period of time and you're holding something. And Aaron and her, this is what happens. As he, as he gets tired, this rod starts to come down. Joshua starts to lose him. So what did Aaron and her do? They come alongside of him. Encourage. Come alongside. You follow me? Okay, they come alongside of him. They get a rock for him to sit on. And, and they each take the side. And Aaron grabs one arm. And her grabs the other arm. And they hold his arms up. What they didn't do is say, here, give me the rod. I'll hold it. Because the victory wasn't based on them holding it. Moses had to do what Moses had to do. It had to be Moses. But he needed help. He was tired. Moses, Moses did not say, gosh, just leave me alone. It's fine. He, he welcomed that help. Why? Because he needed it. And victory was depending on it. So he let Aaron and her come alongside and hold that up. And guess what? They won. 
And, and part of the reason they won is because Moses was not too prideful to let somebody help him. And, and they came up and they helped. And they brought victory. So we need to help make sure that we allow. And again, God will bring the right people. So be careful who those people are. But you do need to allow people to help you. Because reality is, how many of us, let's just be honest real quick. This will help the person next to you, okay? Think of it that way. How many of us has ever been through a difficult situation that we really needed some help? Yeah. Isn't it nice when you get some help? Isn't it nice if, you know, if you've ever been loading something up in the car or you're trying to do something and you can't do it and someone offers to help? Isn't that nice? Uh, I told, I mean, I told this, but we were at Ikea one time because if you're at Thrive, welcome to Ikea. Um, most of our stuff is Ikea because it's cheaper and keeps us busy. Um, putting all this how a table comes in a shoebox, I have no idea, but it does, and we got it together. But, but we're there, and we're taking some stuff to the cart, and I see this lady, and she's putting this huge box. She's trying to get it off the cart into her car. And we walk, you know, we're walking, and there's people walking past her. And I'm like, this lady, she's just, she's, she's small. She's very thin. She could hide behind that mic stand. She's, it's just, I'm thinking, there's no way she's going to get that in there. And we, so as we're walking, I look, I said, Chase, let's go help her. Well, I was surprised how many people walked past. And at first I was like, none of them offered to help. I was like, what does that say? But you know what else stood out? She didn't ask anyone to help. I'm like, if, I, if I'm struggling, I'm like, hey, excuse me, sir, do you mind helping me? Like, I would ask. But she was just, Argh! nothing. She'd have been there all day. She'd still be there. But you know what? I told Chase, hey, man, let's go help her. So we walk over. People have been walking past her. So excuse me, ma'am, would you like some help? Yes, please. And, you know, and again, I was, we just helped her. I didn't say, like, well, ask, you know. Like, what are you doing? Next thing you know, they're going to come out here and find you under the box, you know. But just ask. But I didn't say that to her. We just helped. And uh, so we got it in there. And, uh, but I was like, why, how many, how many, how much, how many times do we do that? We just, we just try and we try and we try. We don't think to ask, even ask God and ask God, you know, maybe ask others. God's put people on our path that can encourage us and help us. And sometimes we just need to allow that. It's just, I mean, that's one thing this year. Let's be real. We all got it. We all got stuff. If you don't have stuff, let me know. You could preach next Sunday. We all got stuff. But God's the source of, of our help, and he can use others. Romans 12, 5 says we're one body. So we're all connected. We're one body. Let's help each other. Let's help each other. Let's be there for each other. You know? You, what is the first thing you do if you hit your finger with a hammer? Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what you do. You, you scream. Why did you scream? Because your fingers sent a signal to your brain, which sent a signal to your mouth that said, hold up, I'm hurt. You need to tell everybody. So the mouth goes, ah, and that let everybody know. And then your brain tells your hand. Your finger tells your brain, somebody's got to hold me. So your hand goes like this, right? 
That's what happens in your brain. Your body begins to work together. Hold me. Hold me. We got you. We got you. That's what happens. And then this finger says, I'll help a little extra. So you start carrying stuff this way because this finger's hurt. And this finger's like, I got you. You just rest up. We'll get you healthy. I got you. Seriously, that's how your body works. You don't come out like, what should I do? Maybe I should hold my finger. You don't think about that. You just do it. What if the body of Christ functioned like a body? Oh, Billy Bob over here, ow, hurting. And here's the rest of us. We got you. We'll take a little bit of this. You rest up. We'll help carry the load that you've been carrying. We'll help carry one another's burdens. We'll be here for you. We'll encourage you. Someone sees hurt in our body and says, hey, we got someone hurting. Let's gather around. Let's pray. Let's encourage. Let's be there for them. Let's lift them up. That's how the body's supposed to work. It's how your physical body works. That's why we got to let people be around us. We got we to gotta, we gotta just be. See, it's hard at first, but once you're real with people, then it's a lot easier because they see you coming and like, yeah, he's hurting. He needs a hug. He needs a hug. He needs an encouraging word. Man, praise God for people that will be real. That don't come in here every Sunday. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. And they walk away. I'm not doing great at all. But on the outside, they're great. What if we at church with someone said, how you doing? I'm struggling. Feeling a little insecure. When's the last time you've been up to some, especially dudes, right? Guys, when's the last time you say, hey, man, what's up, bro? Not much, man. Just feeling a little insecure. <laughs> Excuse me? Feeling insecure? Call your wife. You know? But guess what? Can I be honest with you? There's times I feel insecure. There's times I, I feel inferior. There's times I feel like, man, am I, am I doing this right? There's times where I blame myself if, if, if something happens and it doesn't go the way it was supposed to go. Sometimes I blame myself. Even if it feels out of my control. You encourage someone and it doesn't work the way you think, or you pray for someone and it didn't work out like you thought, and you begin to, oh, man, I, what happened? What, what did I do? Like, why did that not? But what if we could be honest about it? I mean, if you did, don't tell me. But I don't think a lot of people thought I was weird that I had that thought when I came up here. And if you did, don't tell me because you'll ruin my illustration. <laughs> but reality is I still have those thoughts that come sometimes. But I've learned to, to step anyway, even with a thought. I'm going to step out anyway because it's what God wants me to do. The enemy saying, oh, well, what if? Well, yeah, I don't listen to you. I'm going to do what God says. And I got people around me that encourage me. I do have people in my life, I know God put them there to encourage me. And I'm honest with them. And I talk to them. And you need that. We all need that. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. 
Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And look at this verse. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. You know, people, I've seen pastors, they hit this verse about church attendance. Where were you Sunday? I just had a lot going on. Do not neglect the gathering of believers. Like, get to church. But can I tell you, it's not about putting a star by your name. I showed up to church. I have perfect attendance because we're not giving you a certificate at the end of the year. But here's the reality. You know why you need to be at church? Finish reading, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. You need to be around believers. So when you're going through something, you can be encouraged. And when they're going through something, you can encourage. Because there's times where you may not feel like you need to be there, but maybe someone else needs you to be there because you can encourage them. Don't get me wrong, it's still not a mandate like if you've had been gone all week and your family's going out of town that you can't go. I'm not saying that. You guys know my heart on that. But I am saying this, to think about the motivation of why we go and why we don't. Because it's getting easier and easier, and we're getting less and less. And I say we, I'm talking to the choir, you're all here. I'm saying, but, but sometimes it's easier to be less committed But at the same time, we're less healthy because we need each other. The believer, we need to function as a body. And that's part of the journey of of growth and maturity that God's taken us to. It's to say, you know what, maybe I need to be there to encourage someone. Can I be honest with you? You you know, you want to know, there was a Sunday that I didn't want to go to church. Today, the men's retreat, it wore me out. We did not eat good. We ate way too much. I almost had to buy some sweatpants just to travel home. And I was like, man, I'm just not feeling, I'm uncomfortable. I said, I can't wait to get in my own bed. I only lasted in there two hours. And Patty's like, you got to find a place to sleep. I was making all kinds of racket. And she was really nice, but I was like, listen, I'm going to go upstairs. She would have let me stay in the bed, but I'm like, I'm going to go upstairs where no one can hear me but the neighbors. <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and I, you know, but I was like, man, I am so tired. But I don't make a decision to go to church based on just feelings. It does help. Patty reminds me, you're the pastor. Yes. <laughs> Good point. But there's times that we need to say, but you know what? God's given me a word to share. And God's given you a word. It might be not on a platform, but God gives you a word to share to people while you're here. He gives you a way to encourage someone. Even if you may not even know, but during the greeting time, some of you blessed somebody and you don't even know because you went straight up to them and you acknowledged that they were here and you said hello and you smiled at them. And that was the only smile they got all week. We don't know how we bless people. But that's why we're here to encourage one another and to be encouraged. So I'd encourage you to not, not forget that. Uh, Hebrews 6.10, God is not unjust. He'll not forget how hard you worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers. That's how when, when, we're, when we're there for each other and we can talk to each other and go there for each other, that's how we show God's love. And God values that. 
And he sees that you love me and the way you love me is by helping each other out. That's part of God's plan. That's what I'm telling you. It's not like we're running to people because they have more answers than God. No, that's part of God's plan is that we help each other out as a body. We encourage one another. And then finally, the last thing is not only we go to God and we have others help us, but we encourage ourselves. There does come a place where if, if you are at a moment where you can't get anywhere and it's just you and it's just God, you have all that you need. God is enough, and he'll use people, but sometimes, sometimes you have to pick yourself up. And in and, and that Psalms 42, in verse 5, David says this, why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? And then he makes this conscious decision. I'll put my hope in God, and I'll praise him again, my God and my Savior. Verse 11 of that same place. Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Psalms 43, verse 5. Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God, and I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Why did he say that three times? Because he's reminding himself. Because he's in this place where he's running. Because they're trying, they're trying to get rid of him so his son can be king. And he's in this place of hurt and fear and worry or whatever. And he's like, I got to get to God. And then he reminds himself, okay, I can't get down. I can't let myself stay there. Why am I discouraged? Why am I so sad? I got to put my hope in God. I got to praise him again. And a little bit later, why am I so discouraged? Why am I so sad? You know what that means? His discouragement didn't just leave like that because he said it again three verses later. And then the next time he says it again. So, you know, this is what we mean, that we remind ourselves, you know what, I'm not giving in to this discouragement. I'm not giving in to this. I'm putting my hope in God. I'm going to continue to pursue him. In 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, David actually says this. The, people, the men are trying to kill him because they went to battle, came back, and their wives, their kids, and all their stuff was torn up and gone. They were taken. So, the enemy, so now his own, his own men are coming against David. They were getting ready to take him out. And David was... Down and discouraged. And here's what it says. It says the last part. But David found strength in the Lord. One translation says David encouraged himself in the Lord. That's how he did. He encouraged himself. That's what we need to do. We got to continue to know. First John 4, 4. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So we can lift ourselves up. We can pull ourselves out of that place to know God's got this. God's got this. So whenever the enemy comes at you, listen, go to God. Allow others to help you. And then you help yourself by speaking the word. Romans 10, 17, our faith is, is strengthened. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. That word hearing means actually hearing a spoken word. It's the rhema word is what that Greek word for word. Hearing the word, the spoken word. How do you hear a spoken word? Speak it. That's how you hear it. Speak it. Read to yourself. Read the Bible. Hear it. It builds your faith. And you make it.